Are you looking for new, creative ways to help you get your head straight? It's not your fault when you're struggling to relax or confidence is holding you back. You just haven't learned the best tools to deal with your situation. Open Forwards helps you break the vicious cycles that are making you unhappy. Head on over to www.openforwards.com and check out our online courses, expert guides, free articles and specialist psychotherapy to help you work, love, play and feel better. That's www.openforwards.com episode number 22 of Self-Help Satnav. In today's episode, I have the pleasure of speaking to one of the world's authorities on the treatment of traumatic stress. Act therapist, trainer and writer, Robin Walzer works at the National Centre for PTSD in California and through her own private practice at TL Consultation Services. I asked Robin to describe the self-help tool that she finds most useful in her own life and how she's used this in her work with people who suffered long-lasting effects of traumatic stress. I think the one that is my favorite is uh, working with self as context. And let me just say a little bit about what that is. When the, from the acceptance and commitment therapy perspective, one of the six core processes is self as context. And it's about connecting to yourself as the experiencer of emotion and thought and sensation, not as those individual events. So there's a space or a place, so to speak, where you hold these experiences and observe them, yet you are not those experiences that you observe or self as context. And I, one of the things I find most helpful to me when I'm struggling or suffering over um, a painful event in my life is to help myself reconnect to that larger sense of the experiencing being. So that sounds really interesting. And I'm wondering if you could break down that process a bit more through, through an example, like maybe something about the self, maybe about the context, what you mean by those two parts of that, that phrase. So, um, when I'm talking about self, I'm referring to me, and, and there's a broader, of course, literature that has to do with languaging and that kind of thing that I won't get into, but there's a me here, a self here, and that that self is the context for all these events, the place. And um, maybe if I can give an example that might be useful. Uh, so I'm somebody who has all kinds of thoughts about who I am and what I do. I have feelings that are related to my experiences. Some of those are painful and some of those are quite joyful. And uh, I'm a being in motion. I'm experiencing these thoughts and feelings and the sensations that come along with them uh, on a regular and ongoing basis. And so. I want to be mindful to these experiences, conscious of them and aware of the flow of them through 
uh, me as a self. This, I imagine, is quite different for a lot of people to think about, like a way of maybe relating to the self is quite a sort of psychological process to go through. And it seems like you're talking something that's kind of like a next step on from just becoming familiar with yourself. You're talking about another part of you that can take a step back and notice all that's kind of happening and all that's kind of going on. Well, the more maybe, um, I don't know if it's technical or not, but uh, uh, the observer or perspective taking me, the, the one who's able to observe my own experience. And so the self I'm referring to is that observer. And so I want to do things when I'm struggling and when I'm not struggling as well. I mean, I want to build this into my practice in an ongoing way where I'm able to observe my own experience or take perspective on these, the ongoing flow of experiences that I have. Yeah. And what sort of positive impact have you noticed this have on you? Well, I can get stuck in stories about myself, uh, you know, that maybe I'm, uh, I think one of my stories that I get stuck in when I'm struggling is that I'm an idiot and I should have known better. Like that's a thought that I will come uh, have during these times of struggle. And um, that uh, what shows up with it is some feelings of pain and loneliness. And uh, I can get uh, sort of tucked inside of a really deep struggle around why am I feeling this and what do I need to do? And I can actually dwell on it and, you know, end up spending longer periods of time trying to problem solve the idiocy, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And um, it doesn't get me anywhere. It doesn't, it's not helpful. I just end up sort of, I guess, um, worrying uh, trying to, you know, run conversations through my head that will help me sort it out. And uh, it slows me up in terms of, you know, just connecting to the vitality of life and getting out and uh, being in the world in the way that I want to do that. And so if I just spend a little bit of time coming back to this observer and rather than uh, falling into or collapsing into my thoughts and struggling with them, I just gently observe, noticing and watching their flow, watching them rise and fall, noticing the emotional experience and all of its subtleties and changes. I feel less uh, bound to these, less connected to them in ways that interfere with the things that I want to do. I have more freedom to choose and to move forward and let go more quickly of the things that are that I'm struggling with. I get an image in my head I'm noticing of some of the difference in the, um, the qualities of those experiences. Like just a moment ago when you first mentioned that thought, I'm an idiot, I should have known better. There was, there was something that felt like really kind of um, restricting about it. Like, like in the moment where that thought shows up, it's, it can be like wearing a straitjacket. 
Yeah, no, that's a very good description of it. Uh, when I have that thought, I can get really down on myself. Uh, uh, I should have known better sort of leads to why didn't you do it differently? How can you found yourself in that situation yet again? Uh, why do you let these things happen to you? But when I pull out into the observer perspective and, and really just pay attention and notice what I'm experiencing, I can connect to a broader sense of me that has experienced this before. I've been in that place a, a number of times. I've had those feelings before. And um, I can see it as a part of my history and as something that I experienced, but doesn't define me in any way. It, I'm not sort of bound to those things that my mind is giving me at that time or to the feelings. And so um, the straight jacket is, is um, loosened and I'm able to be a freer rather than sort of tied up, so to speak. Yeah, it's interesting you say freer because it it, it, it it was coming across as as you were describing how you can move away, take this observer perspective that it does have this impact of freeing you up. Yeah, and, and I feel like I have choice in those moments where when I'm caught inside of the thought and sort of going down the rabbit hole of, you know, being an idiot or I should have known better. Um, like that can be pretty dark. Like I, that's when I feel like I've got to pull away from my social connections and hide and figure this out and get all of those things, you know, uh, taken care of so that, you know, I, and I think a little bit of shame even shows up in there too. And then I want to, you know, run from that experience as well. And so the observation of it gives me just enough space, just enough space to see it as an experience that will rise and fall rather than ex an experience that defines me. Yeah. So starting to think there, you're not saying that it's a way of trying to get rid of it. But no, and it's the opposite. Uh, there's no attempt to try to fix or change it. Um, in fact, there's a part of it that there's a recognition that this will be with me again and that there will be times in the future where I will again um, be in a position to think, I'm an idiot. Why did this happen? Like, I'll, I'm, I'm, it's coming. It's just a matter of when and then how quickly can I free myself? Um, I'm bound to get right back in the state straitjacket. Uh, because these things are intense and painful and sometimes they happen immediately. You know, like you can imagine um, hitting reply all on an email where you were saying something to one person. And that's a small example, right? And then boom, I'm, what an idiot, I did it again, might show up and you can sort of ruminate on that process. But that's a small example, I wanna get free from that as, um, not not the thoughts, but the straitjacket of it. And then there can be other things that are huge and much more painful where, you know, I feel like I've done something that's going to change the trajectory of my life. And, uh, you know, when my mind gets rolling around in it and I can, when I can observe and have freedom, I can recognize that I have choice in where my life goes, that the 
the experience that I had that was painful doesn't actually define my trajectory either. That's got me thinking about some of the people that um, I've been able to help um, that will describe that wanting, wondering why, why, why do I keep kind of like doing the same old thing? Why do, why do, why me? Why, why do I keep kind of criticizing myself or keep making the same mistake and, and, and searching for that, that answer really. And I, the trajectory of that always seems to be like uh, further suffering, more anxiety, feeling more depression, feeling more low. And I, I think you're saying that that's kind of, it's like a pivot point or a, a, a tool that can help you change the direction. Yeah, I mean, I'm bringing with me into all of my circumstances a learning history that will be triggered by certain events that um, that I won't be able to escape. Like, I'm going to do things that are going to elicit or, or trigger the thought, oh, geez, that was such an idiot thing to do. And I may not even be able to detect what those triggers are going to be. Uh, it might be a comment that I made to somebody and then they make, and they look like they feel bad that I said it uh, and I didn't intend that. Or it might be, you know, me really getting caught up in something that's happening at work and I feel like it's going to be harmful to me. So the rain, the, it's hard to say, but my learning history is such that, you know, these events can be related and they get triggered. So, it's clear to me that they're going to show up in the future. And even if it's not a typical event, you know, life contains all kinds of things that we can't predict or be aware of. And I, I don't know exactly what might trigger these experiences in the future. But there, there is one thing that I can do, and that's be more aware. And from this observing place, that awareness, that consciousness of that experience can change the trajectory of what I do. It can't change the trajectory of those things being elicited or those things being triggered. So if I'm going to be aware that, there, that, um, that I'm being triggered into these thoughts and feelings, then I'm much more likely to make a choice that would change the trajectory than not being aware and just sort of falling into the straitjacket and you know, hanging out there for a long period of time. Does that make sense, the way I'm talking about it? Yeah, it does. It's very clear. It's a really uh, useful way of looking at it. I know you kind of work in some different settings, Robin. You, you know, you've got your private work and you work at the, the National Centre for PTSD, which is um, post-traumatic stress disorder. And I think you're at the University of California as well. Have you noticed these environments that this process here, this, this, uh, this self-help tool of, of self as context that you've noticed work for you, have you noticed it help other people and the trajectories that they're on? Uh, absolutely. And, you know, you can think about straightforward mindfulness processes where you're observing, maybe you're breathing or you're doing a body scan or something like that. And we know that those are helpful to people. We've got data that supports you know reductions in stress but our health changes in relationship to anxiety and depression there's a number of things that are that it's useful for but i want to just 
you know, sort of push in and add this other piece. And I think a lot of mindfulness people would agree that they're intimately linked. Um, that self as experiencer, when you can contact that space, and when I um, do this with clients, what they realize is that things like um, a trauma does, and being a victim of a trauma doesn't define who they are as a human being. It's not once a victim, always a victim. It's once a victim. And I can um, move forward in my life in ways that I define, not that my victimhood defines. So inside of the centers that I work in, for instance, we can help people get some freedom from being trapped in their a trauma story um, and, uh, you know, finding ways to relate to their histories that uh, are not definitional in nature. A trauma doesn't define you. You've had a trauma, you've experienced a trauma, and you may very well have memories and sensations that are related to it, but it doesn't have to define your life forward. And this sort of working with observation and seeing yourself as sort of stretching across time and, you know, that you were there then and you're here now, that you can witness all of those experiences without being caught up in them can be very powerful for folks that I work with. We'll be back after this short break. Stress, anxiety and depression are problems that affect everyone at some time or another. And yet, when you're suffering, it can feel scary and lonely. Self-help school is our way of giving you the best of what therapy has to offer without paying by the hour. Grab all the knowledge, experience and skills from the comfort of your own home. Sign up for an online course to make a significant and lasting change. Discover new perspectives and learn key techniques that will help you move forwards. Choose a short course to help you escape the daily monotony of doing the same old thing. And find the excitement, energy and enthusiasm to give you that get up and go. Or take our advanced stress management course to learn how to handle your stress like a pro. Build your confidence to deal with challenges both now and in the future. And discover how to be cool-headed under pressure and to keep working in a career that you love. For more information, go to www.openforwards.com. Yeah, interesting. It's reminded me of a book I read some years ago uh, by a, a um, former soldier in the First World War. And he wrote a book of his experiences there in that setting. And and then there was a part in the book that talked about kind of like the experience of having written it as well and described it as a, as a catharsis that helped him kind of process that part of his life at, at, at that point in time and, and um, helped him kind of, I think he was saying, not be so marked by it, not be so scarred by it. It just makes me think kind of that process of writing a book sometimes can be a useful way of tapping into that um, my life has had stages in it. I was, I was there then and here I am now and the future could be something different. Yeah, and with, with some of the clients that I work with who are experiencing PTSD, 
they, it's like they're writing the same book over and over again. And the, this place of observation can help you let go of that stuckness. And you can start to, you have that book, it's true, it happened, it's real, and we want to acknowledge and, you know, have compassion and empathy for those experiences, help you to, you know, regain your life back. But then how many other books are you going to write? And what will they be? What will be contained in them? And what we want to do is have it be a rich story of, or stories of um, an individual's life, not just the same story over and over again. Now that said, I'm realizing that, you know, these things get triggered and even my own idiocy feels like the same story. But it's only the same story in this sense, is that I will have those experiences again, but they're not going to define what I do and how I live. So I want to draw the distinction between feeling these things and moving your feet in directions that matter to you. And so that observational place helps create the position of choice, as I mentioned, so that I could move my feet in the direction that matter, not get so caught up in the story that I'm, you know, not moving my feet, not moving my feet. Yeah. It's hearing you say that as well is now making me think about Groundhog Day with Bill Murray. But like he's got the same kind of story. Like uh, it's the same day every day, but he does different things every day and keeps moving to a point through a point of discovery. And I guess kind of coming up with ultimately the best way of living that day. And it's, and it's like tied right to like love and kindness. And, you know, it's like the, his values sort of emerging in those in the last day that he lives that day, right? Like that's, and which is what we, what we are all shooting for. I think if we're, if we're really going to engage in um, meaningful life. Mm. So there's something here. You started to say earlier about how a story can show up for you and that when you move to this place where you take an observer perspective, it's about helping you notice that story and free yourself up for it. That it doesn't necessarily get rid of that story. In fact, you said the opposite. It's actually about acknowledging it, being aware that it could come up again. And then just thinking about some of your clients around that may have been traumatized by certain things, I guess, there's always the potential, isn't there, for that story about how they've been affected by the trauma to come round again and to pull them back in. But you're saying the difference is not that you don't get rid of the story, but it's, it's how you respond when the story shows up. Precisely. That's yeah. exactly it. And awareness is the first step. You can't respond differently if you're not aware. And so this a consciousness helps to create that space. Yeah. So how easy do you think this is to do? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> uh, I do think it's pot, it can't, you can get there um, relatively easily if you sort of just can see your experience from the perspective of you seeing, you see your experience. But 
um, I want to say, okay, let me say it this way. It's easy and hard at the same time. Like you, you can step into that at any moment, but you need to practice it over and over and over again in order to really connect to it. I think it's why mindfulness practice is so important. And, um, you know, really observing that flow, the ongoing flow of experience and um, staying in it for a period of time is, I think, important. So it has both qualities, easy and hard. So there's a guidance tip I think you're saying here is that to get the most out of it, having a regular mindfulness practice is a good way to go. I, yeah, that, I would definitely support that statement. Are there other tips that you would offer about how to get the most out of making this work? Well, I think um, really taking time to uh, drop into any moment. You know, mindfulness, people typically think of sitting in a special place and watching the breath or something like that. But any time you can show up to yourself as, a, as awareness, as consciousness, whether you're standing in the shower or standing and basking in the sun, and just recognizing the experience of the moment and also being aware that it changes and moves. Like even when it feels like it's not shifting, if you show up and are present to it, you'll observe the shift. The sun on your face will get hotter and uh, the shower will, you know, you'll feel different parts of the water hitting your body. Like we are creatures in motion and we want to observe that motion. And you can do that at any point in your day. It doesn't have to be a formal thing all the time. It can be something that you do in any moment. Just pause and drop in. Ah, yeah, great. Some useful things to go on there. Um, so uh, obviously you're in uh, the US and I understand you're coming over to the UK in March. Uh, Looking forward to it. To, you're running a workshop, aren't you, um, called now I'm just trying to pull up the title. Uh, it's on Monday the 5th and Tuesday the 6th of March in London, and it's called Mastering Act, um, an Advanced Skills Workshop. Can you say something about kind of what you're trying to do in that workshop, who you, who you, who you think it'd be ideal for? Yeah, it is uh, essentially designed for clinicians who are interested in advancing their skills on acceptance and commitment therapy. And selfless context work that we've been talking about, of course, is inside of that, that model, that approach. Um, but I'm going to be focusing on the interpersonal, intrapersonal, and overarching processes, which are not just about the six core processes that are inside of ACT, diffusion, acceptance, present moment, values, committed action, and selfless context. I want to um, bring those together in a flexible way inside of the context of interpersonal and intrapersonal relation and processes and the over and the arc of the therapy. And so it'll be um, skills building work that's built around recognition of multiple layers of process rather than just implementing the six core processes. Oh, wow, okay, yeah, great. Um, and I know you've written several books kind of over the years. I was just kind of listing them off. I think I counted seven or eight kind of in total. Correct me if I'm 
wrong. <laughs> I think it's not that many, but I that'd be cool if it was. <laughs> <laughs> well, I noticed kind of you, you've done learning for learning acts. You've done uh, some couples uh, books, mindful couple and act for couples and act in action and an act for PTSD, of course. I understand you're writing a, a book at the moment. I am. I'm writing a book for New Harbinger. The title is The Heart of Act, Developing a Flexible, Process-Based, and Client-Centered Practice Using Acceptance and Commitment Therapy. I'm nearly finished. Uh, I just have a chapter and a half left to write. It goes off to New Harbinger mid-month of February, and um, I believe will be out uh, at the end of the year, the beginning of uh, 2019. So, and it'll basically be um, reflecting the workshop that I'm doing in London on in March. Okay, so they, they, you've got some kind of cohesion going on with those two things. Yeah. yeah. So again, aimed at clinicians, kind of with the same intentions behind it. Yeah. Yeah, lovely. Okay. Well, it's been wonderful talking to you today, Robin. It's been great to get your kind of, your experience of kind of, using this self-help tool and, you know, to hear your you know, perspective on it. And um, I'm, I'm guessing the listeners will get a lot out of that. So thanks very much. Thank you for having me, Jim. It was my pleasure.